0: You asked me what my favorite hymn was the other day. Well, there's two of them. (laughs) I think I'd have four or five hundred by the time I got got done looking for them all. (laughs) Father, thank you for Kyle and for his uh, willingness to come and to speak again to us. And I just pray that you would give him calmness and Peace and help him to deliver what you'd have him to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Good morning. Hopefully everyone's doing well today. It's a pleasure to be here this morning to talk and to go through God's word together. In preparing this message and thinking about it, praying about it, meditating on the word over the last week and a half... There's a theme that kept coming up in my head. That is, he is our rock. He is our rock. And oftentimes this is something that we say in times of need. He is my rock and I will weather the storm. And it's also an encouragement that we give people when they're going through trying times as well. He is your rock, brother. Lean on him. But when you look at the rock and the stone and the cornerstone within the word, what is the common theme and occurrence that keeps coming up? So, the first place I'd like for us to look at this this morning is in Exodus chapter 17. You'd turn there with me. And to kind of give a brief description of what's going on, this is concerning the children of Israel as they are going through the wilderness of sin. And the children of Israel, they were in captive in Egypt for several generations. God rose Moses. Moses came. The ten plagues came. God displayed his power to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh released them. When they went out of the land of Egypt. God continued to lead them by pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. And when they were backed up against the Red Sea, and Pharaoh was coming on them, God parted the waters so that they could cross and now, as they have crossed, they are in this wilderness, and their resources are running low, and they are in need of water. So what we'll do is we'll read verses 1 through 6, and we'll expand on it a little bit. Water in the Rock. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel journeyed by stages from the wilderness of sin, according to the command of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim, And there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water and they grumbled against Moses and said, why now have you brought us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do to this people? A little more, and they will stone me. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pass before the people, and take with you some of the elders of Israel. And take in your hand your staff, with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you will strike the rock, and water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Now There are many different representations and themes being spoken of here. From the rock on which water came to sustain Israel. But the two that I'd like to focus on initially are that, as one theologian said, no situation is impossible. If you approach any situation in faith and in obedience, God will equip you with the tools needed to to complete the task at hand. God tells Moses to use the staff with which he touched the Nile with, and that is the same staff that turned into the serpent and the corp of Pharaoh, and the same staff used to part the sea. God gave him the tool that was necessary to complete it. But also notice that after telling him what to do, God told Moses that, I will go before you. I will be there. My presence will be there with you. As you continue to go through the Old Testament, the theme of the rock Continues to be brought up. One of the men that talked about the rock the most was King David in the Psalms. Now, when you look up the term rock in a commentary or in a lexicon, it is used in the Old Testament and in the New Testament to describe God and Christ over 140 times. But in the Psalms, David uses it 24 times to declare that God is his rock. And in the life of David... And you examine it quickly, a shepherd boy that was elevated to the role of a king, desired to serve God, and yet continually struggled with his flesh. And even when he was king, he always accepted the responsibility for his actions and humbled himself before God. After his sin with Bathsheba, if you read Psalm 51, his psalm of repentance after Bathsheba, you can tell by his words that he is sincere in everything he says in coming before the Lord. And turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 18. That's the first one that I'd like for us to read together. While we're turning there, some examples of David using the rock to describe God are, in Psalm 28, 1, he states, To thee, O Lord, I call my rock. Do not be deaf to me. And in Psalm 62, in both verses 2 and 6, he says identically, He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold, and I shall not be shaken. When David uses the rock to describe God, he describes his strength. And it's also fitting that afterwards, when he states that God is his rock, he usually states something that is comprised of a rock, refuge, wall, fortress, indicating that God's strength is that which sustains him and supports him and protects him in the days ahead. But the verses in Psalm 18... That I want us to read first are verses 1 through 6, and then we will read verses 30 through 36. Psalm 18, verse 1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me, and the torrents of ungodliness terrified me. The cords of Sheol surrounded me, and the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. And cried to my God for help. He heard my voice out of his temple. And my cry for help before him came into his ears. Now if you will go to Psalm 18 verse 30. <clears throat> As, <clears throat> As for God, his way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? The God who girds me with strength and makes my ways blameless. He makes my feet like hinds feet and sets me upon my high places. He trains my hands for battle so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation And your right hand upholds me, and your gentleness makes me great. You enlarge my steps under me, and my feet have not slipped. Now, even though Psalm 18 is a singular chapter, there are two different poems of David in this chapter, speaking on two different things. In verses 1 through 30, we see a king that is delivered from false accusations from his enemies. And in verses 31 through 50, we see a king that has been delivered from his physical enemies. But in both from accusations and from physical enemies, in both poems, in both instances, David begins with declaring that God is his rock and God is his strength. Later on, as you continue to read through the Psalms, when you get into Psalms 118, David begins speaking of a cornerstone, again a rock, and prophesies about Jesus He states the stone Which the builders rejected Has become the cornerstone And think about the image that David Is saying here The builders have built this foundation They are completed And now they realize that the very stone That they left out is the one that is key To supporting the foundation and In Isaiah 28:16, the prophet Isaiah Prophesies Therefore thus says the Lord God Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. Jesus is the key cornerstone for the foundation of our faith, and he is the cornerstone on which we build everything in our lives. And if you'll turn with me to Matthew 21, We're going to look at a section here to where Jesus uses the cornerstone to declare who he is to the chief priests and the elders of the Jewish community. Matthew 21. And the verse that we're going to be reading is verse 42. But first, whenever you come to Matthew 21, there is a lot going on here. And there's a very specific order that the chapter is laying itself out. First, you have the triumphal entry, Jesus entering and being praised. Then you have Jesus cleansing the temple after his triumphal entry. And then after he cleanses the temple, his authority begins to be challenged. And then, as different instances continue on, Jesus eventually begins teaching the people and uses two parables. The first parable he uses is the parable of the two sons, and then he uses the parable of the landowner. To kind of give a summary of the parable of the landowner, there is an owner that has a vineyard, and he leaves, so he rents it out to different farmers. Eventually, though, the time comes for the fees to be paid, and the renters refuse to pay it, so the owner sends slaves to collect the debt. Upon the slaves arriving, the men who were renting the vineyard, they kill some of the slaves, they stone them, and they send others back empty-handed. So the owner sends a second round of slaves, and the same things happen. So then, thinking that he has their respect, the owner sends his son. And it specifically states that when they see him, they realize that he is the heir to that which they are in. And they decide to kill him and take his inheritance for himself. And when Jesus is done with this parable, he asks the chief priests, What is it that the owner will do when he comes? And they say that he will get rid of the wretched men and he will allow those that are deserving to come in. And then Jesus begins to respond to the chief priests. And the first thing he says is in verse 42. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? This became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus is the cornerstone, and when he declared this, they immediately knew what he was talking about. He was stating that he is the cornerstone speaking, spoken of in Psalm 118. And if you continue to read through the chapter, it then says that after hearing this, they wanted to seize him. But this theme of the stone continues on through the New Testament. In the book of Acts, in chapter 4, Peter and John are arrested for proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And in 4, verse 11, while on trial, it states that the Holy Spirit came upon Peter, and he told them that he, Christ, was the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, But which came, but which became the chief cornerstone. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 4, Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth, and he takes it all back around full circle and begins to speak of the children wandering in the desert and the rock from which the water came. And he tells the church in verse 3 that they all ate of the same spiritual food, and in verse 4, That they all were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. From the rock in the desert, they gave the children of Israel water to the rock which a king fully relied on for refuge and strength. The cornerstone which was rejected and yet totally necessary for the foundation. The cornerstone that Jesus used to describe himself, which Peter spoke of when arrested And Paul brought full circle back to the rock in the wilderness. The rock is strength. Christ Jesus is our strength. Christ Jesus is our hope. Christ Jesus is the cornerstone which supports the foundation of our faith and from which our entire lives revolve and depend. From a shepherd that was elevated to the role of a king to a Pharisee that was humbled to the role of a persecuted disciple. Both declared God to be the rock, as I pray that we do as well in the weeks ahead. Because he who is in you is stronger than he who is in the world. Thank you for your time. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are with us and that we can lean on you in trying times. And that we can lean on each other in love and understanding. I pray, Lord, that you continue to remind us that that this church is yours, that we are part of your body, and that we are called to worship you, Lord, with all our heart and all our mind. I praise you, Lord, for the things that you've done in our community, for the ways that you have lifted us up, and for the ways that you continue to bind us together. I pray, Lord, that in the days ahead, you continue to be with the nominating committee, the elders, the board, and all the various committees of our church, giving them wisdom and strength, and continue to knit them closer together. May we all continue to lean on you and trust in you as our rock. Amen.